Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we welcome Shasha Heed of BlankPageBeatdown.com and the Split Screen Podcast to discuss two films starring the highly underrated Randy Puda. First up, Huda plays a crooked cop in Aishur Solomon's John Day from 2013. Then he plays a notorious and charismatic serial killer in Prawal Rahman's Main or Charles from 2015. Welcome, Shah. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Thank thanks you for, for coming. coming. Yeah. Now that you're here, you can correct all our pronunciations. <laughs> no, that was pretty good. Okay, oh, good. the first one, though, was pretty, like, I don't even know how the fuck to say that. But that, was, <laughs> that was good for you. I'm like, what is she saying? I'm like, oh, it's the director. He's only directed yeah. this one film, so he's not really that well-known of a name. So, yeah, you know, not that I shouldn't say his name Ahish- correctly. Ahishur? That's pretty good, though. Ahishore? Ahishore. Yeah. So. Ahishore Salomon. Yeah. That sounds about right. I think so. Ahishore Salomon, if you are yeah. listening, let us know how we did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So we have one brief indulgence to get into before we uh, start kicking it off with Shaw here, who's going to talk about his uh, Bollywood history. Erin um, is drinking her drink in a really weird way that I can't accurately describe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we have I a... I didn't want to make noise. Uh, that will put... That will progress as the episode okay. goes on but uh, we have another review coming Yay! from uh, uh u.s itunes um so reviewers named filmy librarian and i think we've been talking to this person on twitter she seems really cool if we have let us know yeah if that was you because it's not always the same name as your twitter so it's tough to keep track but uh filmy librarian says five stars thank you uh, as a non-Indian, long-time fan of Bollywood, nine years and counting... There's more of us, Matt. Yeah. It's always interesting to hear from others like me, fans of world cinema in general, who really fell for the wonderful and varied world of Bollywood. The two hosts have the perfect balance of academic distance and sincere love of the inter- industry's films. That's great. Thank you. I like that. Academic distance and sincere love. I feel like that's what I am going for in all of my film criticism. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a difference between kind of analyzing a movie and just loving a movie mm-hmm. and sometimes it happens like sometimes you love a movie but you also want to talk about it like yeah. go in depth and other times you don't love a movie but there's something interesting in it right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah thank you so much yes thank um you. if you would like to be cool like filmy librarian please go to your local itunes page and leave us a review we now have a fancy dancy thing that allows us to see all of the reviews worldwide so we won't be missing any of them yeah it's, it's this great little website that sends you an email every time you get a review yeah so, so go review us uh if you like the show yeah and leave us five stars but we have Shah Shahid on today. So we've talked about Shah's podcast a few times on ours. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're Check, checks in the mail, by the way. Checks oh, in the mail. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> ethics in Bollywood podcast journalism <laughs> at work again. But uh, Shah, um, can you uh, maybe fill your uh, fellow listeners in a little bit on what you are up to on your current corner of the internet? Um, yeah, my, yeah, my little small corner. Um, your well, it's actually... Sorry? Your fiefdom. My fiefdom, yes. Oh, that's great. I'm using that. Um, no, it's it's so, I mean, essentially, I I grew up on, on Bollywood movies, and Hollywood was the same time, um, it, and it got to a point where I I went to film school, but, you know, life gets in the way. I wasn't able to finish, um, and, you know, like, I always fall back on that phrase of, you know, they always say that people who can't do teach, um, <laughs> or in journalism, people who can't do write. So, so I started writing about movies and I started blogging, uh, um, like 2010 and from that, that just kind of catapulted, you know, Twitter and I have like all these friends now. And, um, and I started doing a podcast a year ago. I think we started maybe give or take a few weeks from yeah. one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was like this explosion and, at the same time of, yeah. of 
Bollywood podcasts on iTunes because we had kind of made the decision to start about six months before we did, and then we did six months worth of research. And when we were initially looking, there was nothing, and then six months later, yeah. there were there were a bunch, and it's great. Yeah, that's exactly like that was the exact same story as me. I remember like when I first got like a friend of mine tuned me on to like podcasts in general. And then I have, like, a long drive from home, uh, some from work, so I'm like, you know, I'll check this shit out. And obviously the first thing I went to is Bollywood Podcast. There was literally one, which yep. was Bollycast back in the day. That's um, with the Muhammad Balak, right? That's right, Baloch, yeah. Baloch, He's a douchebag. Okay. We don't have to talk about him. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, he lives so, in yeah. town here, right? Like, he he does, yeah. He's yeah. actually local, oh, really? yeah. Yeah, we, oh, should, yeah, yeah, we yeah. should try and get reach out to him. Well, no, you don't need to. You don't yeah. need to worry about him. He's an asshole. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> No, me and Baloch, we have we have like a rivalry, love hate relationship. Oh, cool, cool. As long as due to the fact not... that he's a douchebag. No, that's, that, that's what they like on the show. <laughs> okay, no, as long as we're not yeah. starting some sort of flame war. <laughs> no, no, they don't have beef. It's, it's uh, I love how Matt's like it's cool, and Aaron's just like, no, wait. No, I, I've I've, I've listened to your appearances on uh, that one, and when they oh, okay. when uh, yeah, yeah. he came on your show, so oh uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I've heard yeah. some of that. Too. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, no, um, yeah, so they had a show, and I'm like, I could do this. I could do this better than these guys. Um. And then I think, like, and then a couple popped up here and there, and then yeah, and then by the time I started, I think I think a couple episodes into mine, because I wasn't really into listening mode when I was doing the podcast. Like I just kind of put out some shit. It was really fucking hard. Um, and then I found you guys, and I'm like, fuck, they're doing it better. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, no. we're just doing no. different things. We're not doing anything better. It is, but it's 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 really cool though, because like I like I spent I think ten minutes when Aaron came on my show. It's really cool. Like you guys kind of package things in such an articulate way, like patterns and trends in the industry that necessarily we don't necessarily see. And when I say we, I mean people kind of just watching the movies as they come out without really much thought. Hmm. But you guys are revisiting and you're kind of like making these connections, which like the Varun Dhawan episode, I love the fucking kid. Like I've been watching all these movies since it. But you guys make these patterns where I'm like, that's true. So well, it's, it's kind of that's it's that kind of cool. academic distance. That's our, our degree. <laughs> right. Really like. This is true. Yeah. Which yeah. are hanging right here on the wall beside. I love Aaron Dewan. <laughs> I think that he's probably my favorite of the younger type stars. Um, yeah. Although I do love Huda. Yeah. But I, I think Huda's probably he's been in more movies, right? Like he's been around a bit longer than Dewan. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Long. we'll get into it, but not as many starring roles. Yeah. No. Yeah. Which yeah, is. it was. I was surprised when I was actually looking through his filmography for this show, and I'm like, oh, there's not a lot to kind of yeah. pick up. But yeah, so, something we really like about you, Shaw, is that you're Canadian as well. Yes. Like uh, <laughs> most of the people we talk to are Americans or uh, Indians or people from New Zealand. Well, I think and I uh, yeah, it's 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 nice to see a fellow Canadian in the Bollywood podcast game. Yeah, and I think like belated Remembrance Day. Yeah. Yeah, and happens later. Um, in the Bollywood space, like it's just a bit more global. Whereas, like mm-hmm. a lot of film podcasts, you know, kind of general film podcasts are very American. And I find like, yeah, what what's developing in this Bollywood space is a lot more global. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of of your guests are from. I mean, Sam, who's frequently on your show, who we love, is from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, those are hard shows. <laughs> With the time difference. Those are, those are terribly yeah. hard things, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but I think, you know, everyone that's kind of, you know, within this space that's developing is doing something different. Do you yeah. think... No overlap. So why don't why don't you tell our listeners a bit about your show? Yeah. Yeah, just... Because yeah, it's very know. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and no, It's branching I mean, out in new and interesting ways. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's I'm, I have ADHD, so I can, I'm, I'm very frantic and manic, so... My show reflects that. I have different formats like every other fucking week. Um, so, I mean, the podcast essentially is 
I started, so again, I have the blog. So I started for a long time. I've been kind of comparing things. Like again, growing up on Bollywood and Hollywood, I kind of look for like counterparts. Like I'll be like, oh, this guy's like the Bollywood version of so and so. And then, and then eventually, you know, when I got tuned on to remakes, I'm like, this is an interesting topic. And you know, people I talk to, I go, did you know that Godfather was remade into Bollywood? And they're like, how the fuck? Because Bollywood's all singing. And then they kind of make light of it without really realizing that, oh, it was a serious remake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started writing these comparisons, which was tedious as fuck. Like, it's kind of like, how do you have this conversation? Like, And it was really hard to write because I'm like, remember when Godfather did this? Well, the Indian one did this. And then remember, and it was just like, it was hard to write. And I was reading it back and I'm like, this is even fun to read. Like, this is terrible. Um, and then again, at the same time, I was doing the podcast, so I kind of figured, let that be a format. I'll just compare, you know, movies and other things. I'm huge into comic books, Matt. I know you're kind of into that too. So I also have spirited discussions with people about, you know, when comic book remakes are made into into movies, mm-hmm. some of it really doesn't translate. The biggest one being Watchmen, yeah. which I've been dying to do like an episode on, but again, I have a very really limited group of people that can intellectually discuss everything. Oh, I, could, I, could I talk, like that movie. I could talk about Watchmen with you. I, I, love I wrote them. an article about it, yeah. yeah. Uh, really? This is an aside. I think people like yeah. these asides, but when we were in high school, <laughs> Matt said, I won't date you until you read Watchmen. And so, like, I had to read this book. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I think I think it's a pretty fair uh, judgment of character. Is it? Yeah. Okay. No, I did. No, so, I do? Uh, you did okay. Okay. <laughs> You're lucky he didn't say we'll see. So. Yeah. yeah. I also made her watch Akira, too. Yes, and I bawled my eyes out. I was like, what the fuck is this? I was so upset. In retrospect, I probably could have set up the girlfriend gets squashed by, you know, guy, guy, guy growing and becoming a technological oh. monster man. Like, yeah, that, that was admittedly not my finest hour. <laughs> it was a very interesting time. But no, yeah. I like, I, I kind of like Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, on, on an aside as well, like, same thing with my wife. When we met, you know, we kind of bonded over the fact that we were both Amitabh Bachchan fans. Mm-hmm. And she probably knows a bit more about, like, older Bollywood than me, like the 70s, 80s. Like, she watched all these obscure stuff that I'm like, mm. um So, yeah, so that's kind of, anyways, coming back. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's, it's really hard. Like, we have these discussions about, you know, well, it wasn't like the comic book. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a two-hour movie. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, there's something that... So again, I find that to be a topic worthy of kind of discussing. So I started my podcast. Um, since then, it's I, mean, I we just I just did a year or two, um, and it's it's been fun. It's been interesting. And then again, with you guys' perspective, with that, like I find even when I review movies from my blog, like there's a new perspective that I kind of look from when I think about you guys or Kathy or like other people, and I'm like, huh, like I could have taken this for granted, but this is apeshit if you look at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's. Good. Split screen podcast. Yeah, it's actually interesting discussing comics because I've noticed that uh, with comics, so growing up reading comics, I kind of took advantage of this entire um, comprehension skills that I had. And when I was in university, yeah. I did this cross-listed graduate and undergraduate course on comic books and graphic novels in schools and libraries. And I was doing this course with a lot of people working on their masters in library studies who'd never picked up a comic book before and they got confused by reading scott pilgrim and i was like if you're confused by scott pilgrim there's no way in hell you're going to read any of the layouts by jh williams the third well like anything by grant morrison and so it's interesting because i think yeah when you when you grow up in an environment and you are immersed in a media you take for granted the ability to understand that media and 
yeah. how that comes so naturally. And so we've certainly seen that with getting into Bollywood. We understand film, but there's still aspects of Bollywood that are very strange to us and that take sometimes adjustment. Yeah, it's, yeah, just learning the language of a specific medium is always somewhat difficult, but it's really rewarding because mm-hmm. you're getting smarter. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, learning no, a whole sure. other way of, uh, you know, expressing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Or how sure. Yeah, no, and, and, and I mean, you guys inspire me too, because usually I'm, I'm not good with change, so um, I stick to like my, you know, Hindi language, Bollywood movie, and, and the fucked up part is, guys, like I grew up, like I have no training or learning the language at all, like, and my country is full of people who don't speak Hindi, but they've learned a brand new fucking language just because we didn't have our own industry for like a while. Like television industry, so everyone just watched Indian movies, mm-hmm. and this whole country of people just know how to speak a totally second language just because watch their movies. I find that's like a really cool anthropological sort of a study. But um, no, with Indian movies too. Like I, I find myself with knowing you guys. I don't know if you guys know Josh Hurtado, um, yeah. someone I met Screen, screen Anarchy. Um, he's from oh, uh, he's okay. on Twitter as well. Yeah. And again, and he's and him, and I think uh, to a little bit point Kathy as well. They're so immersed in like the South Indian mm-hmm. sort of film industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from them, I get to hear about all these wicked cool movies. And I'm like, fuck, I should be watching this. Like, I might not understand the language, but it's literally like a step away from Bollywood. So yeah. I'm like, I really should be checking these out. So you guys kind of inspire me to kind of branch out as well. I've been watching a lot of South Korean movies for some reason. Um, no, well, that's yeah. the South Korean cinema is amazing. Did you see The Handmaiden yet? No. Oh, oh it's good. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really going based on like, like six degrees of separation. Like, I'll find one that connects to something else in like Bollywood or something, and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to watch that. Well, so many so. South Korean movies are being remade in Bollywood, yeah, too. So. That's, that's how I started. Yeah, 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 that's how I started. Yeah. I'm dying to do like an old boy episode, which, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, we haven't gotten into the South Korean remakes yet. That's a, that's a yeah. major episode of. What's well, you've seen a here? few. I mean, you've seen Ek Villain, and you've seen a couple yeah. of those. Yeah, Ek Villain, um, yeah, yeah, Johnny Handsome. That's right. Rocky Handsome, excuse me. Rocky, yeah, both. Yeah. both episodes You're thinking Johnny Gadar too. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's not a. No, I know, but that's, that's why you think of Johnny. No, not yet. You should watch that. It's on our list. Our list is very long. <laughs> we're we're delving into fifties noir for our next episode. Spoiler oh, alert. Spoiler. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, Shot, tell us about um kind of Bollywood film culture in the greater Toronto area, because that's where you are. Yeah, we're really curious to hear what it's like to go to the movies there and, like, which theaters do you go to, that kind of thing. Because I go to Toronto sometimes for work, but I'm usually in the financial district, which uh, there's not a lot of great theaters down there. You did buy me that autobiography, no, that biography of uh, Shah Rukh Khan from the Tiffel Lightbox. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, that's a, that's probably the best place to go. <laughs> it was an amazing theater. Like, yeah. it was. Uh, I can't oh, yeah. wait to go back <laughs> to go to yeah. that. Basically. Yeah, no, I've. It's. I mean, uh, speaking of like film culture, uh, you'll be surprised to hear that I've been living here for like going on twenty years now. Never been to TIFF. Oh man, you should definitely go. If there's no. something you want to see, it's yeah. it's the nicest theater I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's new too, isn't it? It's just a couple of years ago. It seems pretty new. Yeah. 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 But uh, which, which theaters do you go to? Uh, if you want to see a Bollywood uh, flick. Well, I mean, when you have time. Yeah. And you got, you got kids and stuff, so... Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try to watch... Yeah, especially if it's for like a show like Rocky Handsome. So, so far, the funny thing is, any uh, all the movies I've seen for specifically my podcast, I haven't really liked that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so... Um, it's every theater here. Almost almost every, like, main, like, Cineplex Odeon here. Yeah. Um, like, just in my area, I can probably choose five from within, wow. like, a 15-kilometer distance. Um, 
Yeah, and almost everyone will have, especially if it's like a mainstream Bollywood movie that comes up, like Adil Himushkil, for example. Yeah. Um, everyone will play it. Wow. But again, I'm from Brampton as well. I'm so, which is like a little bit north from Toronto. So Brampton is like brown people central. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so that's it's the same thing in Toronto though. Like if like I remember, like 15, 12, 13 years ago, we had to drive to like it was Albion Cinemas from Toronto, which was and I lived in Toronto at the time. It was like a good forty, forty five minutes away. Because there was only two theaters in like, the greater Toronto district area mm-hmm. that would have Indian movies. And it was just an Indian theater. It would, mm-hmm. And I think it only operated maybe three days, of, four days of the week, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like the weekend areas. Um, and it was a bitch. Like, it was terrible. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to generalize, but maybe I can because I'm, I'm South Asian myself. But South Asian people are dicks when it comes to movie theaters. I'm sorry. I've heard, that, I've heard that before. Well, that's interesting because in Edmonton, uh, we're seeing a shift. We're seeing something really interesting happening. And so Edmonton's about, we're about a million people, right? If you include the surrounding area, the greater Edmonton area, it's a million now. Yeah, we're about a million people. We're the city that has a million people that is the most north. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Uh, anyways, and so typically Bollywood movies only play in one theater here in town, and it's a Cineplex Odeon on the north side. Yeah. And we were super excited because Adil Helmishkel was playing in two theaters here in Edmonton. Yeah. And the other theater is less than a block away from our house yeah. um, on White Avenue, which is like the main drag of Edmonton. It's like if you're going to go out to the bar, you're going to go to White Avenue. Yeah. Um, so we were super excited. White with a Y. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, not, it's not that on the nose. I've often wondered why all of the Indian films, so not just the the Bollywood films, but the Punjabi films and the Malayalam films and the Tamil films, etc., all play in the North End because our South Asian population is in Mill Woods, which is in the South End. Yeah. Oh. And it's another 40-minute drive for everyone who lives down there to go see. Exactly. The they, they have to see. spend 45 minutes just crossing the city. Yeah. It's a huge pain. And wow. recently, that community got together and started a petition uh, to send to Cineplex to ask them to play those films in their theaters in the right. South End. Because they have movie theaters in the South End. They're just really nice movie theaters that they have in the South End. And the one they have in the North End is really shitty. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and it's actually like... Oh, I, I know they used to play Bollywood movies down at that one. Well, and this is all kind of word of mouth, but I heard from a friend of mine who is South Asian that Ooh. they used to play in South Edmonton Common until a big fight broke out in one, and they said they wouldn't play them uh, Really? Yeah. And she See? said, like, the cops See? called. See, brown was, people ruin what? it for everybody. So, but hopefully we're starting to see. It was probably a Salman Khan movie. Let's be honest. <laughs> hopefully we're starting to see a shift. Salud Bai just kicks it off. And then... <laughs> it's yeah, a right. good sign. <laughs> Where someone said Salman's the best. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, people are arguing about who the best uh, Khan yeah. is and that, yeah. you know. But hopefully, okay. like, Adele Hamishkil playing at the Princess. And that same uh, week, they were also playing Kashmora, a new Tamil film. Uh, so hopefully that's a sign that we're going to start to see more Indian films well, they'll, throughout they'll, the city. Yeah. They'll play but, superstar Rajnikanth movies at uh, Princess sometimes. Yeah, well, but that's because Cineplex won't play Tamil cinema. Really? Yes. Um, so what happened, and this in was in... Across Canada. Across Canada. This was in Ontario. Hmm. In the greater Toronto area... Um, back in April, during a Tamil film, someone released a noxious gas. I mean, and you, we, we all release a noxious <laughs> gas every now and then. <laughs> not that. Not that. But oh, okay. someone released a noxious gas. They had to... Ooh, like, what was... 
Some, South Indian food, like dosa. And it happened. No. It happened. <laughs> it happens. It happens to the best. In, in a several theaters around town. That's fucked and up. And so Cineplex had to shut down the theaters, had to like check all the security. It turns out this noxious gas was fine. No one got hurt. But since then, they've refused to play Tamil films across Canada because hmm. of security reasons, which to me seems discriminatory. Because if someone released noxious gas yeah. in Doctor Strange, there's no way that they yeah. would say, oh, we're not playing Marvel movies. I wouldn't say Canada. that's discriminatory. That's fucking racist is the word you want to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, the same thing happened, I mean, again, like that tragedy with, with um, in the Batman movie, right? Yeah. Like a couple oh. years ago. So it's like... I, I that guy was fucking releasing things. bullets. He wasn't releasing yeah. noxious gas. Yeah, there's no gas. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, oh, so that's, it's like, but hey, superhero movies are still playing in theaters. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I hadn't so. heard about that, and that's awful. Yeah, yeah. so when um, the latest uh, Rajnikanth film, Ka- Kabali, I believe it was, Kabali came out, there were a lot of petitions online um, to convince Cineplex to play Tamil films again, and their, their reasoning is security. Huh. Well, we should start another petition. Wow. Fuck Cineplex. That, that's horrible. But oftentimes, Cineplex is the only... How do you make that connection? Like, oh, it's because we played a Tamil movie, guys. It's because I it happened in more than one theater around town at the same film. And I cannot remember the name of the film. I apologize. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's I don't know if there was anything, any other reason. Like, was someone protesting, like, the film? Was there some yeah, question no, about subject matter? Like, there could be some sort of, you know, nationalistic thing. I, yeah. I guess that is something, yeah. We'll have some links to the uh, the news articles about this in the show notes. But the film had no, like, political slant. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, like a Gunday-type situation where people really wanted to bury it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's really awful, actually. Let's let's fix this problem. <laughs> And, well, but that's also a problem that develops when you have a cinema chain in Canada that has a monopoly, which yeah. is what's happening Basically. with Cineplex. Yeah. Yeah. In conclusion, <laughs> fuck Cineplex. Go to your local uh, indie theater. But we oftentimes don't have the option. Like, we have to go yeah, to the Chevet no, like, at a Cineplex. Yeah, you're right. It is a monopoly. Like, I don't have indie theaters here anymore. Yeah. Like, we had before, like I said, like, those theaters that just played Indian movies, no more. Like, it's all Cineplex now. Yeah. And the show is so ridiculous, too. Like, we wanted to go watch Doctor Strange tonight, um, but we were going to go a little later. I this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, how is it? Uh, it's good. I've seen it three times now, so, yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you don't like 3D movies, this one is actually kind of worth it. I don't okay. know. Okay. I don't know. I think it could I'm give not... motion sickness. It so could give you motion thing... sickness, but it actually not... does something with that. I could see, I could see, like from the way the movie's like done, I can see how that would be a benefit. I'm not into 3D. My kids run into 3D. Mm-hmm. We all hate 3D. So we were gonna go a little later tonight after the show, after the recording. But after, like, like it's so weird that they try to kind of force you to do the 3D or the Ultra yeah. AVX. Yeah. Like it's like, three or show the times. Box, which I've, nev- I've never been in a D box, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound appealing. No. You I think will only watch D-Box right? if it's Dune. Yeah, we, our Dune Blu-ray is, is formatted for D-Box <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> all right, yeah. all right. Uh, well, I guess now it's time to start talking about our man of the hour, Randy Puda. Deep, Randy Yes, yes. Um, so he debuted in Mira Nair's acclaimed Monsoon Wedding from 2001, which is a movie that for some odd reason everyone seems to think I hate. I love Monsoon Wedding. I love Miranair. It's deep and meta I don't like. Mm. like. Oh, yeah. I can see how they're kind of interchangeable. I used to get them confused, too. Yeah, because I, I recently picked up Monsoon Wedding in the recent Criterion sale because 
when a Criterion sale's on, you gotta pick things up. And a couple of people, when I, you know, tweeted out what I got, they were like, but you hate Monsoon Wedding. I was like, no, Monsoon Wedding's a great film. Anyway. Sidebar, Criterion, get on the Cholet jump. Like, yeah. come on. That movie needs to be in a pristine yeah, movie, right? Right? Yeah. And think of all the money you would make, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he waited four years before his next film, and he had, it's, it's a supporting role in Monsoon Wedding. He waited four years for his next role, which was his first starring role, and that's in Ram Gopal Varma's D in 2005, which is a movie that you're a fan of, Shaw, that we We wanted to watch, but we we couldn't get a hold of it. It was was on Netflix for, like, I think two years ago, and then I remember, because I remember I I freaked out and I, like, tweeted to Cassie, I'm like, go watch this now, Mm -hmm. and then I just took it off. I don't know what happened. Well, you know, licensing, they just lose the rights after a while. Probably. And yeah, it's yeah. probably on some other streaming service. We just don't know. It could be Hulu or something. Who knows? And this is the most oh. frustrating part about doing this podcast is that we don't always have access to all of the films we'd like to watch. And or the ins- really big ones sometimes. Yeah, and yeah. we insist on watching everything legally because if we're going to be discussing these films and promoting yeah. them to sure. other people to watch, they should be able to access them. Yeah, for sure. So... No. That's fine, guys. I'm here. I'm going to do the entire movie play-by-play. Okay. okay. It's okay. the longest show you've ever done. Um, one. So, <laughs> credits. Um, <laughs> but it's good. If it becomes available, it's, you yeah. recommend it. Oh, for a fuck, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, these movies were, like, when the time that Ram Gopal Varma made good movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, and he, he, did, he produced, he directed, he, like, even some of the guys we'll talk about that, like, was in, that did Man of Charles came from his film camp, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, the guys who worked with him. That's where came from. Yeah, yeah, all these guys, like, it's it's funny that you don't really talk about Ram Gopal Varma anymore. Like, he was one of my favorite directors, and he was almost like a proto-Anra Kashyap, if mm-hmm. you kind of look at it, in terms of how he started. Like, I always compared him with Tarantino, because they kind of had very similar beginnings, worked at a video shop, no mm-hmm. formal training, they kind of just kind of started making movies on their own. So, yeah, anyways, well, I we can gotta, talk about Ram Gopal We're getting there. We're, yeah, we, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. I mean, we watched Boot. And uh, <laughs> yeah. didn't, was not the best didn't really do it for us. So, yeah, that's I mean on the on the other side though, if you take a look at like the trend that Boot started, mm-hmm. um, yeah. a lot of like the horror movies in around that time started after. I mean, he did a lot too. His fact, his production company did a lot of horror movies at the time, but he almost kind of kickstarted this because Boot was successful as far as I remember. Because mm-hmm. more be, for lack of like anything else at the time, horror wise in the industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he's anyways, he's good. I'm a fan. Let's move on. <laughs> Next time that you come on. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do an RGV retrospective. Uh, we'll see what yeah. we can get. So who does other notable films include Once Upon a Time in Mumbai, Saheb Biwi or Gangster, Jizen 2, Heroin, Highway, Kick, Biba Boys. That's a deep and meta film. I hate that movie. Yes. But he's great yeah. in it. But it's a terrible he, movie. But yeah. he was in Canada. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, movies. How many mediocre films he's in where he's fucking awesome? Yes. Oh, definitely. Like, for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a just, trend. <laughs> that yeah. is a, I mean, Jism 2, which is a film we've discussed on the podcast. And heroin. Yeah, uh, yeah I like heroin, but Sarbjit yeah. Sultan and 2015's Rang Rasia, uh, for which he was nominated for the Best Actor Award at the Filmfare Awards. Actually, we've seen, I think, most of his filmography in this case. Yeah, so, yeah. and we've discussed a number of these. So we've discussed Jism 2, we've discussed heroin, we've just discussed Sultan, we talked about Kick. Um, we discussed Kick, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, uh, 
despite being critically acclaimed, he's oftentimes a supporting character in a lot of these movies, especially the more commercial and successful films. And the ones that he tends to be, yeah, yeah, the lead in tend to be more uh, pulpy or... Yeah, they're like obscure, sort of smaller production. Yeah. Yeah. My dude ran deep deep needs a franchise. Yeah. That's what he needs. And he's worked a lot in... Um, in crime cinema. So yeah. he's done a lot of kind of noir, a lot of gangster stuff. He's a good hard case. Like, you, you yeah. look at him and you think, like, this guy, this guy doesn't fuck around. Yeah. yeah. The, like the he... first thing I really saw him in and really kind of uh, connected with him in was Highway, because, again, we're very new to Bollywood. And yeah. um, while we're not discussing Highway in this episode, it I cannot wonderful. recommend yeah. Highway enough. That's one of my favorite Bollywood movies. Yeah. Uh, and he's amazing in it. Yeah, no, for sure. I actually, sad to say, I actually haven't seen Highway yet. Oh, man. Get on it. Yeah. you got to see that. I know. It's, so it's very, very good. And, and I think we're Ali just... Abad, probably the best movies they've been in, I would say. Yeah, we're saving yeah. it for, like, the serious Ali Abad episode. <laughs> yeah. We did well, the fun Well, she's got two now, right? So you just wait for that one more. Yeah, she's amazing. Love her. Yeah, oh, I love her. Yeah. Spoiler pairing... alert, she also shows up in A Deal Had Mushko. Yeah. Yes. <gasps> guys. Yeah. The pairing of Secrets her out. and Randy Puda in Highway is just like like that movie. I know some people don't agree with me and you know don't think it's all like worthy of all the praise. No, but it's fantastic. I don't understand that. It's a great I, movie. I think it's an no. I, I've movie. I've heard good things, and I mean I remember when when that movie came out, everyone's like, oh, "That girl from Soon in the Year is amazing." I'm like, "Fuck you, Randy Puda's in this movie, and he's amazing." <laughs> they're both amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're both really yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. In addition to uh, acting in films, he's also a stage actor and a playwright. So he was doing a lot of theater work in those four years between Monsoon Wedding and D. Um, and he is an active member of Nazruddin Shah. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's sweet. good. No uh, relation, no Pardon me? No relation to Shah. No, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, his theater troupe, uh, the Motley Theater Troupe. Um, and he also participates in professional equestrian sports, including really? polo, yeah. show jumping, and dressage. Dude, you don't have him on your Twitter? You need this guy on your Twitter, and he's fucking awesome. Randy does just dressage? Yeah, he does dressage. <laughs> oh, man. He's really into horses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. He's crazy. I am going to look that up as soon as this episode is done. Yeah. That's, a, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so what do you, I've obviously, you know, praised highway enough what what was your guys' intro to randy puda and what do you guys like about him so shot for for you was it was it d yeah so i mean i i watch so so d for people that don't know i don't know if you guys this is again we'll go into your rgv episode um but company was was one of the more successful crime thrillers at a certain time so and then they were making d a couple of years later i'm gopal varma and they said that d was supposedly a prequel of of this really successful gangster movie. So everyone kind of was watching for D and there was this new kid being introduced because Monsoon Wedding was kind of this, you know, art house parallel yeah. international film that and he had like bit part in that. Like yeah. I think mm-hmm. I don't even know if he had any lines, I can't even remember. He doesn't um, do so much. this yeah. well, he he uh went to started, Australia and, to study and right, yeah. while he was doing theater there, Miranair uh saw him and invited him to be a part of Monsoon Wedding. Yeah, I wonder if so. The story I always heard that that uh, Nasruddin Shah brought him onto the movie, but I yeah. think it was other way around. Was it that? Um, because I, I can't tell if their association started prior to that or was it more after that movie. That's when they kind of met. I'm not sure, but 
I yeah. don't entirely know the timeline. Yeah, I what's never our criterion of monsoon wedding arrives, and we can. Uh... <laughs> yeah, there might be an essay or something. Because we, yeah. oh god, this is this is our terrible secret, guys. Um, I ship all of our criterions to my best friend in Chicago, so I don't have to pay uh, <laughs> yeah. shipping. Julia or, Franklin, who has been on episode or nine, all of the duties at the border. So she, yeah, she has it, but we don't have it yet. Yeah, she was on episode nine with us when we talked about Diwali and uh, uh, Bajra Ramastani. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. I skipped that because I still haven't watched Bajan Mustang. Really oh my god. Oh, no, I'm so behind. It's crazy. Oh, it's, um, so, it's so um, good. So I'm not good. Entirely, so, I'm not entirely sure of the timelines of how Randy Puda connected with Nerezadine Shah. Um, yeah, but which, which is certainly funny. post monsoon wedding, there's, there's a connection. They had an association, yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so D was really the, the first thing that I watched him in, and it was, it's like. Amazing, and I mean, most of the movie, it was his performance that kind of stood out. And for a new kid on the block in this movie, that's not the typical launch. Like, it's not this romantic hero debut that most actors get. Yeah, um, really interesting. And then since then, he's done sort of these off the map projects. Which, mm-hmm. and again, and I, I'm not even going to say I've seen them all because I haven't. A lot of these are these obscure movies that I don't even know where to find them. You didn't check um, out Jism too. <laughs> so, so his. His, Which, his, by the um, way, was a movie we actually had to order on disc we had to from buy the that. States. Yeah. That was actually, that was probably the most expensive episode. That was episode our of commitment like, to of, Randy Puda and to uh, oh. doing an episode about the Jism series just so we could say Jism. Yeah, we said Jism at least 500 times in that episode. That was the greatest episode ever, by the way. Okay. That you it, it also, uh, I don't know if you know this, but look it up on iTunes. They uh, they censor the word jism. Yeah, it's J-star. Oh, yeah. Star, yeah. yeah, and that's in Canada. Like, I could see them doing it in Pakistan or India, because they do that sometimes. But in Canada, it's fucking no, jism. No, because when you, when you change your, like, iTunes store to India or Pakistan, it's not censored. What? It, so it was only in Canada? Well, and, like, other English-speaking, like... Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's actually... Completely ass backwards from what I was thinking. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. That's yeah. funny as hell. Yeah. Anyways, we're we're disappointed in your commitment to oh, okay. Randy so Pooh's filmography that you did not track down just. I skipped his entire butt catalog of movies. Um, he did like there's this he, he had this phase where he was just doing these butt movies, and I'm yeah. not a fan of that. That like model like that studio has this model of just churning out these mediocre movies for really low budget and just making like gangbusters at the box office mm-hmm. um so i skipped whenever it was like oh hut movie fuck it like and and he was he he did sequels too for them he was in jannah 2 he was in jism 2 he was in murder, murder 3. 3 yeah and it's this so weird sort of like description you're using for these kinds of films sorry you were you're using but but you were saying yeah, sorry, so I meant, yeah, yeah, so I meant like like they're all produced by Vishesh Films, right? So Vikram Bhatt, Mahesh Bhatt. Okay. Mahesh Bhatt, so okay. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I you need no, to, I was you just like, oh, is there a term I don't know? I want to learn this term, but yeah, Mahesh Bhatt, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, no, I shouldn't have explained. You should, I should have had you go into work or something on Monday and you're like, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so not having a shirt and being in a weird blue room playing a cello. That's... That's a classic plot move. I'm already well used to me going on and on and on to my coworkers about Bollywood and then being like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But what's Kajal up to? That seems to be the only one they remember. <laughs> yeah. Right. Admittedly, um, she is the greatest. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I've, I've, I've liked him. I'm, again, I've tried to watch a lot of what he does. A lot of what he does isn't really good, especially the commercial stuff. He doesn't really hit the mark. Like, I remember I was really upset in Cocktail. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys that movie. Oh, yeah. Great. 
We love Hong Seo. played the nice guy supporting character that loses the girl to the douchebag hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was so mad. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Fuck everyone else. That's so, not a role. Yeah, that's a have... special appearance. Yeah. It's a friendly. Yeah. That's almost what, basically what he does in heroin, too. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I gotta say about in, in, in heroin, he has... So I've I've maintained this, and I think this has only happened in two of his other movies. He can cry like a fucking champ. Mm. If you want to see him crying, highway. Yeah. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. He's, right. he's if, shooting them tears out like. Or I will watch it now for sure. Yeah. But... Highway is all the emotions. Halfway through Highway, um, the disc that we had rented from the library stopped working. It was so upsetting, and. So we had to rent it on iTunes, even though we had a disc from the library, but we were so invested in this movie. And then about 20 minutes after we got started on iTunes, Matt had to pause it, get up, and pour himself a scotch because this movie was too emotional. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot yeah, of I mean, feels that night, my friend. So yeah. many feels. But the, but the point I mean, is, there's a lot of Randy Puda's filmography that unfortunately is skippable. Yeah. And the best that films... I haven't seen, I don't miss like the yeah. Huberu, just other stuff. And yeah. and but the thing is, like, if you watch his movies, like Beba Boys, I I hated Beba. Like it was just it was just so stupid. But he himself was good in it, out of context to well, whatever the hell was happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I mean, one of his movies, I don't think has even been released. I've been waiting for this movie for a year. Um, Actually, it was supposed to come out this year. Though loves Okikahani. I don't know if you guys saw the previews. He played like this martial artist fighter. Um, he did that movie, I think, before Sarbji. Mm. So he went from being he did like a Christian Bale. He went from being ripped yeah. to like the machinist in Sarbji. And I don't think that movie's come out yet. It was supposed to be out in theaters. They got pulled like two weeks before release because mm. of enough viability. And I don't know if it's on Eros now, but. It's just like this movie I've been dying to watch, the South, South Korean remake as well. Mm-hmm. Like me and Kathy have been waiting to do an episode on it, and it just didn't come out. Because she's like... also a big fan of Rainy Puda. Yes. Because of her, we noticed his bulge. Yeah, the bulge <laughs> effect. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys noticed in John Day, his debut, like the first thing of his on camera is the bulge. I don't know if you guys well, picked up on Yeah, we'll he get into that, but he's... just bulge. It's but uh, Randeep's walking around with the uh, Magnum stuck in the pants, but he doesn't need it. He's got an epic <laughs> yeah. bulge. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Were... <laughs> slightly speechless. And I didn't really notice it, because I'd seen Kick, and then Kathy Gibson wrote a review after I'd seen it. Um, and then I read it, and then when I rewatched Kick, I was really looking for it. And yeah. It's... And now I notice it every time he's on the There is a, There is a gun in his pocket, and he is also happy to see it. So. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately... <laughs> Some of the best films that he is in, he tends to be a supporting role. And mm-hmm. so even, so one of the reasons why we didn't discuss Sarbjit or Highway is because we really feel like it's the women in those movies that are at the center of it. Um, sure. And he's kind of playing secondary to them, which is great. Good for you, Randy Puda, yeah. being willing to uh, to play secondary to, mm-hmm. you know, your female co-star. Uh, but like Sultan, which is a movie that, you know... I know Salman Khan has a lot of... There's a lot of opinions out there about Salman Khan. People are for it, people are against. He but rules, we really, everyone else is wrong. We really like Sultan, and he's awesome in it, but yeah, he's a Sultan, very yeah. small part of it. Yeah, he's a, he's yeah. the crusty trainer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you could tell that he's just mad at everything and wants to yeah. punch people. It's awesome. Yeah. So it was weird in Sultan, because I, cause it was weird, because I'm like, but the guy you're training is decidedly older than you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Rocky mentored thing working. It's so weird. It's like if Mickey was like twice as old as Rocky. <laughs> Except, I don't know if you noticed this about Sultan. He's supposed to be in his 
twenties at one point. At the beginning. And, yeah. At the beginning. And then the way that they kind of flash forward, he's only like in his thirties. Yeah. They only flash forward like eight years. It's the power of acting. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the, it's the stress of, you know, life and circumstances, right? It ages you. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. So approaching this episode we were kind of um we had a challenge because we wanted to look at movies where he had a starring role. And yeah. ones we hadn't done already, too. Ones we hadn't done already. Well, we we haven't done anything with any starring role. Only well, Jism too. Okay, I mean, that's fine. that's arguable. Fine. So um, I was surprised that there was no highlighting of his bulge in that movie. I, not that I heard you guys talk about, it anyways. Because that would have been the perfect movie, right? In Jism too, there was quite a few highlightings of, uh, let's say, Sonny Leone's assets. That was yeah. That's what movie was really about. Yeah. Um, I was really upset about that. <laughs> There was a bit. There was a bit of a challenge. Because... He didn't have a shirt on for most of the movie. I'll say that much. Okay. Yeah. Not worth seeking out for that. That alone, though. But we own the Blu-ray. Have... Cool to you guys though for doing that. Yeah, I'd say that's probably our most expensive episode. So there was a bit of a challenge in approaching this episode because we really wanted to look at movies where he was the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you were saying, Shaw, a lot of those aren't kind of worth seeking out. Um, mm-hmm. And also, we were limited by the movies that are available to us. And so yeah. that's kind of how we ended up with John Day and Maine or Childs, one of which I think is awesome, and the other one, eh, we'll get into. Come see, come see. Yeah. So I think that that brings us to Interval. So we will be playing a song sample from Maine Earl Childs. We'll be playing the song Jab Chaye Tara Jadu. Everybody wants you. Everybody wants you. That was Jab Che Tara Jadu from Maynard Charles. And uh, yeah. Something I really like about that song, and we're going to get into it, is the way that it is so rooted in period, mm. which I think Maynard Charles does a great job of setting itself in the timeline. Dare I say, Matt, it's diegetic. It is diegetic. It is also, a diegetic song. it's one of the rare instances where a friendly, where you have a friendly from a playback singer. Yeah, that was that was really interesting to learn about. Mm-hmm. But first off, we're going to talk about John Day. Yes. Uh, and yeah, directed by Ahishor Solomon, and this is the only movie this director has done so far. And this was three years ago, so I do kind of wonder if this mm-hmm. was so much of a flop that he'll never get another movie, but I guess we'll see. Shaw will be interested in this. It's a remake of a Spanish movie called La Calla 507. Yeah, yeah, no, I heard. Yeah. I, yeah. And it features um, Randy Puda, Nazaruddin Shah, and Elena Kazan in what is one of the weirdest... Uh, uh, sort of gun mall type characters yeah. I can think of in a movie. And Elena Kazan is not of Indian descent. She's uh, German. She's European. Um, but, like, as soon as I saw her on screen, I thought she looked kind of like a cross between Sunny Leone and Katrina Kaif. Yeah. No, I had the exact same thought. I'm right. like, what the hell is this? And you'll, you'll, you'll know more than us, but uh, her accent was on point, right? Like, she sounded good. She was, yeah, she was pretty good. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't at all, like, I wasn't taken aback. I wasn't, like, uh, some, some non-Indian it actress. Not no, Nargis it was not Yeah, it's not Nargis. No, no, a lot better than that. Nargis does not give a fuck. <laughs> no, but, and that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, or even like, how did her accent compare to Katrina Cage? Better. Yeah. Better. And, again, and I don't know if that's just because she was just like drunk all the time. That's true. Um, <laughs> That's so you kind of just part of the so, so yeah so you kind of discount or you kind of give her the, some slack for any slurring or any fucking up with the pronunciation because like oh she's she's drunk it's fine. My favorite so. shot in this movie is when Randy Fuda shows up at his place and kicking like, in his own door yeah. as per usual, and she's passed out by the pool and he picks her up and throws her in the pool. <laughs> yeah. I just thought, mm, yeah. all right, that they're a yeah. couple and they got yeah. issues. So, um, yeah. story, but I, I will yeah. say about Elena Kazan, um, what I was reading is that yeah she's she's European who then went to India to uh, like teach English and study, picked up Hindi, um, and then has ended up in Bollywood films. And so yeah, she she yeah. she does speak Hindi, but she is not obviously an Indian native, and nor has any. Indian ancestry, and I thought she like fit very seamlessly into the film. Well, it's one of those characters where, because she's a white girl, it's okay that she's drunk all the time and <laughs> not is true, not morally upstanding. But the story of John Day is that Nazruddin Shah is <laughs> the manager of a bank, and through a sort of convoluted series of events, his bank is robbed. His wife gets hit in the head with a hammer and goes in a coma. So and, many hammers in these, like, dark Bollywood neonorms. Yeah. And uh, Nazruddin Shah's out for revenge. And he uses his bank manager powers of yeah. looking at documents mm-hmm. and talking to people to kind of get into the orbit of Randy Puda, who is yeah. this corrupt cop mm-hmm. who is sort of mixed up in this bank job. But he's also trying to get this other deal down where... Um, a Dubai, you know, concern is trying to buy up this big lot of land outside of Mumbai. And um, wouldn't you know it, that's also where Nawazuddin Shah's daughter died in a mysterious fire. So, yeah. you know, these yeah. two guys, the... Coinky dink. Yeah, they, the, the, like, the, the wick is set and, like, things are going to explode. Yeah. I had a hard time getting on this film's wavelength. Yeah. I really did. It wasn't until, like, 20 minutes after interval that I felt like I really understood the plot of it. Yeah. And, and I don't yeah, think no, that's I'm, my I'm own with you fault. On that. Yeah. No, no, I'm completely with you on that because, so I have a huge pet peeve against like exposition heavy stories. Okay. And almost like almost every introduction to every character in this movie has exposition. It, like, mm-hmm. and I especially hate when characters like kind of develop, like do their own character development through dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was a kid, da-da-da-da-da. And it's just like, oh, yes. all right. And everyone does that in this movie. Like, the movie opens with the girl in the, in the you know, in the cabin before the forest fire. And she fully gives us this whole exposition about, you know, you know, because I'm adopted, I owe my dad a lot. So I play sports instead of pursuing my real passion of music. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be one of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and then you cut to, you know, after she dies, you see the family and, you know, you see Dr. Dinshaw and his wife. And again, he gives heavy exposition. It's been yeah. two years. You've never left the house. And I'm like, okay, so now we know the timeline. Yeah. And and that, like you said, Aaron, it doesn't stop until halfway through when the entire plot is, you know, exposited in exposition by Nasuddin Shah when he tells his editor friend. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, this is what we were supposed to be watching? Yeah. Cool. It's, okay. I feel like this movie didn't make any sense until that scene. And yeah. it, that scene also very much feels like it's lifted. Like, it feels so vertigo-y, right? Like, because they're, yeah. like, by this, uh, like, <laughs> almost under this bridge by this river. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. I I sat through this film feeling like 
this plot is convoluted and this movie has no style and it's trying to steal mm-hmm. its style. But then, I, I yeah, it once you understand what's at stake, which isn't really that complicated no. in the end, no. but oh. once once you set uh, Narazin Shah versus Randeep, kind of working across purposes, not really knowing who the other guy is yeah. until, you know, he's interrogating that one guy. Once they start fighting each other, basically, then it's not bad. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone is giving a poor yeah. performance in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Narazin Shah and Randy Puda are both giving great performances. They're both, yeah. like, really invested in their character. And I, you know, it's interesting because we had talked about doing a November month, and we wanted to do this episode first, and so we thought we were only going to do, like, a November episode in the second half of the month. And this has kind of ended up being, like, a unplanned prequel to our November, <laughs> yeah. um, because both these films are very noir. They're neo-noir, but they're very noir. Yeah. Um, and that, like, bank manager getting wrapped up in this larger criminal... Underground, in- yeah. Underground, yeah, yeah this yeah. entanglement. Uh, that is very noir. But so much of this film feels like such a drag yeah. to get to the inevitable place. And I it's... just didn't care about no. anyone throughout this film. Other than, like, oddly enough, Elena Kazan, who just, like... Really wants a baby, but can't possibly deal with being pregnant because she's such an alcoholic. See, the fucked up thing too is like you, like again, again, the same thing. When we introduce her character, and and when they have that tussle in the house after she th- he throws her in the pool, you get again, you get exposition of him throwing her up against the wall, going, "I shouldn't have saved you from that drug raid." Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, okay, that's their cute meat that we just kind of skipped." Yeah. Um, and, and and so you feel for her, and I think she was, like, the most kind of nuanced character in the whole movie, even though it's like, you know, she's drunk because she's possibly a former drug addict, but then she's in a relationship with this guy who's fucked up, she can't, she, he doesn't want a family, so she's probably depressed and drinks even more, which is why she can't have to, like, there's this whole kind of, like, complicated layer to, to her. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. She's no, a good mom with depth. Yeah. She has depth. I'm, I'm completely with you, though. This movie made very little sense, and I also feel like... Yeah. It's kind of there's a lot of foregone conclusions in the movie. Like we're introduced to characters who are supposed to mean something, but like because the movie sets it up that way. Like you see someone, you know, and there's like the music, and then there's the importance and the framing of the character's introduction on the screen. But we, but there's no context of why is this person important? Like, yeah, yeah. What doing like there's all these references to characters like so and so from Dubai, and you know, AG Group offered me money, and I'm like, uh huh. Those Dubai guys never show up. You never no. see him. Can no. anyone explain to me what was up with Randy Puda's introduction where he is forcing someone to eat, like, three plates of biryani? Plates of yeah. biryani and um, then Mike? Like, example of badassery on screen. Like, usually when you introduce a character, you know, you have them, you know, rough up, uh, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. like, lethal. I'm reminded of, like, lethal weapon, right? Where, like, Mel Gibson just kind of walks into someone unprepared, fucks things up, and everyone's yeah. like, this is the guy. It's a good Where you force someone to eat to death because of high color. Like, what? Not even actually sure what those two guys' relationship was. I, I have no fucking clue to this. Like, I, I read everything online I possibly could on this movie to try and understand the plot. Who was and that I was guy? Still, like, I don't understand who this guy was and yeah. why we had to watch him eat so much biryani. Yeah. And fucked up part two is, like, if if you're doing that scene to establish that, oh, this is a badass motherfucker, like, who would have the patience for that? Yeah. Who's sitting there watching some fat ass eat, like, 
plate after plate of biryani. Like, that's not, you're not a badass. You just seem like you have some sort of food fetish. Like, this is weird. Yeah, exactly. Because it doesn't mean anything to us. Because we don't understand why he's forcing if yeah. only this guy said that he has to increase his appetite. Yeah, and we like, don't I'll understand increase your appetite. why he's being forced to eat all of this money. So it just I, I, hangs the there as this awkward introduction. I think the director thought this was like a clever metaphor, like a symbolic thing where he's yeah. like, increase my appetite, okay, I'll kill you with food. And it's like, no, this was the most uninteresting, weird, yeah. awkward thing I've ever seen. This yeah. is like, it's seven. Yeah. Um, I did like the Muslim crime lord who's very, very devout, even has some, like, clerics in his house doing prayers and stuff and whipping himself. Meanwhile, just murders people and, like, he, he's... He's a of it, right? Afterwards, like, like that's a, that guy's a good actor, too. He's, like, yeah. one of those supporting actors. And I like his scenes where he's very... You know, he's a, he's one of those, like, like mobsters, but with, like, a moral code. Yeah. Kind of like, like he's very Corleone. Yeah, he's very regretful in the last couple of scenes, like, with Nasir Din Shah, when he says, you know, I'm, you know, and it's, it was kind of a weird scene when he meets the father of the daughter he inadvertently killed. Yeah. Because it, cause he was the one going, this is going to weigh on my soul. Whereas the dad was like, can we cut to the business? And I'm like, wait, the fuck? Like, yeah. why is he sad for your daughter dying than you are, like, at this point? Well, that's, there, there's a secret code in this movie. You pay attention to Nasir Din Shah's hair. He starts off with very brown hair, and over the course of the movie, yeah. it turns grayer and grayer as his soul becomes more gray. Like the Obama effect. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, he's aged two years over the course of this, like, week. Every time I see a resident shot, I can't help it. I think he looks like a Q-tip. Yeah. He does have <laughs> yeah. that, that fro. Yeah, he's yeah. just, like, he's kind of skinny, and then he's got this fro. But what did you guys Actually, think of him? What did you think right. of him in the movie shot? Like, I thought he was, you know, a passable it's, badass. Okay, so, and, and this is probably where it's a great idea, like, Aaron, not to kind of go with the marketing of a movie before you walk in. Because when this movie, like, when I saw the first poster and the trailer, my reaction, and again, knowing these two guys' kind of filmography and their history, like, here's, you know, Randipuda, who, you know, can either attribute his big break to Nasruddin Shah or has worked with him in the early stages of his career. So for me, when they were marking this movie on the poster and juxtaposing them side by side, I'm like, oh, mentor, protege in a movie together. Right. Like, I'm expecting so much. Um, and because they're both great actors. And the, the trailer for the movie marketed the movie as like this action thriller sort of a thing. And then the movie was nothing like that. And mm-hmm. to the point where they didn't even share a frame together until... The literal ending of the movie. Yeah. And, they, and I think they had one or two lines over the phone. So they didn't even need to be recording that together in the movie. Yeah. So that, to me, was kind of the biggest letdown. The story made no sense. Um, everyone was good. I feel like both actors were limited to what they were being told to do by the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, Aaron, in the beginning of the show, this is his first movie, and he doesn't seem to have done anything before this either, the director. No. No, this, I mean, this is the first film he's directed. He's done some assistant directing on some other stuff. And it's so, so, right? And it's the only film he's directed. And I just, I don't see a voice. I don't see a voice in this script or in this direction. It just seems pat to me, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I don't understand why I was following two individuals. So, like, looking at it from a neo-noir perspective... Yeah, and Rosalind Shaw, I think, is kind of a very clear neo noir kind of protagonist, and the film is named after him, John Day. 
I don't yeah. really understand what was going on with Randy Huda's co-lead oh. performance. I don't really I, I, understand why I was following both trajectories. There was there wasn't a lot of things that were like for, for, for all the exposition in the movie, we didn't we still didn't get a clear cut idea of any of the characters' motives. Like I understand I understand Nasuddin Shah's character's motives. He's trying to figure out he discovers that maybe his daughter's death wasn't an accident, so he starts investigating, digging deeper. But it almost feels like we're supposed to assume that Randipuda's a corrupt police officer, therefore he'll be automatically involved in shady dealings. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the only explanation we ever needed. But it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense why. There's also these other characters, if you guys noticed throughout the movie, that were giving information to Randipuda, but we hadn't seen any of them beforehand. Like, for example, when, when that cop that he's working with, the other police officer he's working with, excuse me, when he just kind of reveals to him that, Oh, hey, that's the bank manager whose daughter died. And that's supposed to be like this revelation to Randy Puda, but I don't understand why. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like, okay. And then at the end of the movie, you've got the guy who gives Randy Puda the passports, who, again, I don't think we saw him prior to that scene. But then he, again, reveals this key piece of information to Randy Puda that, oh, you know, that bank manager's killing off people. And I'm like, how, why would this random person know that that piece of information is crucial to this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it was just, a lot of, yeah. It's lazy storytelling. And it, is. it relies overly on exposition. It's lazy. And it just, like, and I think I think you see that by the borrowing of this Spanish film. And so it took yeah. the narrative of the Spanish film, but it didn't, and I haven't seen this Spanish film, so. Neither have I. Yet. And I wonder how much of it was how much of it because again on my show we do a lot of remakes mm-hmm. so you kind of see there's a lot of remakes where you watch the movie and if you try to separate it from the original film there's a lot of there's a lot of foregone conclusions like Sanjay Gupta yeah. does this a lot where he things happen but they don't translate the motivation or the reason why they happen mm-hmm. so you have to watch the original to get context into the and I feel like John Day was yeah. kind of a similar example. Sure exactly. It's missing context. Well, it, it also is playing with this sort of Catholic thing of Randy Pudo yeah, was abused as a child. John Day is very devoutly Catholic. His daughter mm-hmm. is buried Catholic. And that doesn't really go anywhere. Whereas no. if this was a Spanish movie, the fact that it's in Spain would probably add a bit more to that. Because I was thinking, is this in Goa? I mean, there's a lot of Catholic people over on that side of the country. Maybe that's going to play up. But actually, no, it's not in Goa. I don't know yeah. if the original film is set in Spain. I know it's a Spanish film, but that doesn't mean it's But a Spanish Spain. film might be able to draw There's on that. There's overtones it, it of Catholic, you know, yeah, yeah. more. Yeah, for sure. Stuff it, like it ends with a fucking psalm. Like, yeah. You, you can't. Yeah. By the way, I've never, ever heard one of those in-depth, like, a psalm like that. Like, there's yeah. also one in the beginning of the movie, too. And it's so, like, it gets so specific in its wording. And yeah. I'm like, did someone make this up, or is this an actual thing? I, I, like, that happened to me, too. I did, like, I was like, did they make this up? This and I Googled it. What is this? They specific. didn't make it up. Yeah, so specific. Yeah. yeah. I Googled these things, and I was like, okay, they didn't make this up. Well, that, because that, while we were watching yeah. it, Matt was like, this is made up. This doesn't make it yeah. up. It's one of those straight-up, like, Pulp Fiction-style, like, here's something cool that we could put in a yeah. movie. We found it. Let's make a movie around yeah. this. Sure, um, yeah. I ultimately find Randy Puda's kind of hang up over being sexually abused as a child and his reaction to that as an adult to be a little cheap. And it's not me saying that I don't think we can't make movies about people who have been sexually abused as a child, but it it only comes up in that one scene. Really here it reads cheaply. It only comes up when he's interrogating that one guy and he's like, wait a minute, that kid's around for that reason. I'm going to murder this man. Yeah. Before that, it's like, 
you know, his girlfriend goes, you know, would you want a family? And he's like, when I was a kid. And I'm like, whoa, 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 bro. TMI. Like, where did this just come? And also, it was weird because it hadn't seemed like she's ever heard that story before. Right. Yeah. I'm How long have they been together? Yeah, and I'm like, you know, you could just say you don't want kids. Like, if you yeah. didn't want to let her know about this, you didn't need to go into this backstory, this yeah. traumatic backstory. Because at the end of the story, he's like, so, you know, if I didn't get answers as a kid, why would I want? And then someone's like, that's the weirdest segue yeah. to make. I mean, he's he's pretty good at being a smoldering badass. But yeah. I think in Maynard Trials, he really gets something else going. Yeah. So let, let, let's talk about that one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Maynard Trials. Sorry, yeah. May or Charles, we're told the N is silent. Thank you, Shaw. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Uh, and we like to hear that stuff. We we are trying, but obviously we're not not native Hindi speakers. No, I mean, neither am I. I went to, like, you know, personal insight. Uh, my wife's Indian. I'm not. And so I don't speak Hindi or Punjabi. But I, when I went to India to visit her family, I was, oh my God, I got crucified with my pronunciations, my male and feminine sort of like, you know, pronouns and shit like that. It was, it was not a good time for sure. Did you guys get married out there? No, no, we, we, I mean, we're Canadians, so we did everything. No, there. no, but like, you can have like the sweet no. giant wedding and we rent didn't. out a well, palace. I'll, I'll expose a little bit of my personal life for the first time publicly here. Um, so we, we didn't do the traditional marriage at all. We got married at a uh, Dimitri's. If you guys know the the it's like a, this ice cream Sunday shop. Um, oh, okay. Maybe it's like an Ontario thing. So um, yeah, we just had like a justice of peace. Me just there. We we had our kid who was like two a year and a half at the time. You know, stuffing her face with chocolate. We had our friends, our best friends, and witnesses, and we just did it right there. We signed everything. And uh, so when when most people get married and we have we share we exchange marriage stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people will be like, you know, you know. I asked them straight up. It seems like a weird question, but I ask them how much did you spend on your wedding. You know, and they'll be like, oh, you know, X amount, uh, you know, X many grand. And I'm like, I spent forty seven ninety five. That's the ultimate Trump card. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, it's we wish want to do something. But but yeah, I mean, I don't I, I understand fluently. I'm, I fluently understand Hindi. I can communicate mm-hmm. in Hindi. But because I'm not used to speaking, there's a lot of mistakes I make as well, mm-hmm. which are a lot more hilarious than just mis- mispronunciation, which is what you guys do. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, once, once you get I, into forming full sentences, you can do some uh, you can do some yeah. damage with uh, pronouns and stuff that would result in some weird weird things being said. Yeah, I I, don't, I think her family warmed up to me because of that. So. <laughs> well, it's 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 a, it's a, you know it's charming, right? Yeah. So May or Charles means me and Charles, from what we understand. It's directed by Prawal Rahman. It's based on the life of the notorious Vietnamese Indian French serial killer. Charles Soprage, a.k.a. the Bikini Killer and the Serpent. Pretty cool nickname Pretty cool for name. kind of a monster. <laughs> yeah. Guy. It stars Randy Puda, Rishashada, I love Rishashada, and yeah. Madonna Karimi and Adil Hussein. So we we start the movie with Charles Sobrage, and the the movie starts off in a really interesting way with about 20 minutes jumping around between time frames and we get the the image of this guy who is killing uh, tourists in Southeast Asia, taking their passports, and kind of getting up to some interesting stuff. He, he's in prison. He escapes from prison. Um, he's romancing a princess. He's he's a yeah. really, like, intriguing guy. And if it wasn't for the fact that he was murdering people, you'd think he was the coolest guy in the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He speaks a bunch of different languages. And dresses in a cool way, goes to cool clubs. 
But it turns out that, yeah, this movie is more about the jailbreak that he uh, does in the 80s and yeah. how this happened and how he meets all the people involved. And, yeah, it's it's a very interesting way of telling the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit... I did find that it was a bit convoluted in how the film wants to reveal certain plot elements to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it jumps around in a forced way a little bit. Yeah. But ultimately, it rests on this extremely charismatic performance from Randy Puda, and he has to sell this, and it's going to sink or swim with his performance, and ultimately it swims. Yeah, I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Terrible haircut aside, he seems like the <laughs> coolest hat, guy in the world. And that hat is terrible. <laughs> I don't know, I think you could pull I, off the hat, but that yeah, kind of page boy made it work. Made no, it that is, hat's is terrible. Yeah. And like, yellow-tinged sunglasses? Not a oh, good look. It was the 70s and the 80s. Not so. a yeah, good look. Yeah, it yeah. works. It but works. this reminded us somewhat of uh, Carlos, the Olivia Assayas film. Yeah, just this interesting international criminal mm-hmm. who... Yeah. You're kind of drawn to, even though that you know he's a monster. I mean, the first scene is them picking up one of the women out of the ocean, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know from the from Jump Street that this guy is bad news. But even then, you're kind of drawn in. And it's the same way the various women in his life are drawn to him as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. what did you think? Without, no, I, I, I mean, <laughs> this movie on its own, I was I liked solely because of Randy Puda. Mm-hmm. I feel like he carries the entire movie. Mm-hmm. I think any sort of shortcomings in story or execution by the director or, or editing, which I thought was the biggest problem in the movie, yeah. um, I think he makes up for, like, mm-hmm. in, in, in spades. Um, the opening scene, and there's some a lot of, there's a few other scenes where I thought the editing was really bad. Um, and you couple that with no sort of visual indication of what timeline we're in, yes. or, like, what... Like, is it 10 years ago? Like, there's no visual indicator. Like, he's not aged. There's no gray. There's no yes. change in outfits. Yeah. Um, that threw me off a lot. Um, and again, I, th- I think that was... frustrating that the film starts out with this kind of pulling this woman out of the ocean yeah. and she's murdered. And then flash forward a couple of years and then flash forward yeah. eight years. And just, it, it sets you in a weird space about understanding timelines. And I think yeah. that's a hard thing throughout the film to like get back to especially because they do try to connect back to those scenes later on yeah Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like there's no usually when you fuck with like the timeline in a movie like that especially in the opening there's a moment of clarity during the runtime of the movie where you go oh okay i see now we're caught back up to wherever the opening was this movie didn't have that yeah. because there is so clear back that the uh, prison was in Thailand a lot of the time because he's in the yeah. he's in the yeah. Indian prison too and yeah. uh, I, right. I did like this movie a lot I think it um, it did a decent job of having everyone at least look like they were in the time period a lot of the time yes. but some of the clothing and items looked like they were from nowadays and not from the seventies yeah it was it was a little bit up in the air but. Um, the song that we played earlier, that's a great scene. They go to a nightclub, and this is what the nightclub show is. And it does have that 80s, you know, Moog synthesizer, mm-hmm. live yeah. band, and a playback singer singing. Yeah. Great way of grounding that scene. Does anyone know if Randy Puder can dance? I feel like in all the movies I've seen. <laughs> that's a good question. I that have never a great seen him question. dance. I don't think I've, yeah, I can't think of any instance where he's full-on choreographed is he too much shit. of a tough guy it's maybe yeah it looks but like he does dressage that maybe that, maybe that you're blowing my mind right here. Of, the, of the pelvic thrusting i think maybe it's 
He would be so good at pelvic huh? thrusting with the bulge. It's, I guess. Yeah. But you, Maybe you, some you of gravity is affected by that, though, I think. You honestly blew my mind with this dressage thing. Because <laughs> how is that not a movie? Like, he should be doing a movie about competitive dressage. But I, I feel like like this is something I'm really bitter about. Like, this 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 fucker works so fucking hard on mm-hmm. every single role. Um, like, for example, he's, like, again, if... The movie we were talking about earlier, um, I don't know if that was, I think that was uh, during the break, but Do Loves Oki Kahani is this movie where he, it's a South Korean remake where he plays uh, martial, like an MMA fighter. Um, and he bulked up for that role. His sister is actually like a US based nutritionist. So he literally pulled the Christian Bale from Batman Begins to the Machinist, where he went from that movie to Sarabjit, where he becomes crazy, you know, skinny. Yeah. I hate this shit, by the way. I think it's like glorifying uh, unhealthiness, but. So you hate the... Well, just the, the like, you know, Christian Bale gained so much weight for the Batman film and lost so much for The Machinist. And then we saw the same thing happen with Randy Puda. And I appreciate their commitment to their craft. I just, like, hate the glorification of such drastic, unhealthy See, shifts. You're completely right in that sense. I mean, and yeah. Ahmed Khan, I think, is really guilty of... of oh, um, yeah. Dangal? Yeah. yeah. But the cool thing about, about Randy Pule is, and the only reason I know about his sister is because on his social media, when he posts these pictures of his weight gain, he does always kind of bookend these, those kind of tweets with, my sister's a fucking nutritionist. Like, yeah. do not try. As someone at the tiller who is, like, keeping yeah. him from hurting himself, yeah. that seems fine. And again, he's very open about that, too. Yeah. He does, don't do this at home. Like, this is not... Me saying anyone can do this. Yeah. My sister's a fucking nutritionist. This is why the only reason. And he has pictures of her too as well in some of the shots where it's like she's the one reason I'm doing this. But my point was like he works so hard for the shit he does, but he does not get nearly enough recognition in the industry for it. Yeah. Um, and and that's 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 like a sore sort of nerve for me. <laughs> um, just because like any movie you see of this guy, even in a, even in a bad movie, he personally makes it so watchable. And I think Mary Charles was that kind of a situation where he carried the whole thing on his shoulders. And, yeah. um, and what I said, like in my review of the movie, I said that, you know, as we've all seen from The Devil's Own and Brad Pitt, accents are hard. <laughs> they are hard. <laughs> so the or fact Blood is, Diamond with... Uh, yeah, right. With even Leo. Though his, no, that was apparently well, very accurate. Yeah, Leo's accent was supposedly very good. It's just that yeah. the South African accent is inherently hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like the fact that this guy... and this. I, I didn't even understand this until I did some digging into who this Charles Sobraj guy was. But the fact that throughout the movie, he speaks in Hindi and English with a very thick French accent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I'm this, like, so Love Hassan Ki Kahani, right? The South Korean remake? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this apparently came out in June in India, but we didn't see any ripples was, internationally. It, yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So he built up for that and lost it all for a subject. Yeah. Okay. Which, and I mean, I mean, normally he's not as ripped as he is in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got into like, because again, he plays like an MMA fighter, I think, in that movie. So he got into like peak physical condition and then he went machinist. And well, he looks, thing, he looks great in Sultan too. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't know if you guys will agree though. Again, because I do this thing where I compare like Bollywood, Hollywood counterparts. Again, a lot of people, because of his bulking and cutting down, compare him to Christian Bale because of mm. what he did with The Machinist. I, I feel like his filmography is more reminiscent of, like, an Ethan Hawke. Because yeah, okay, he's sure. sometimes mainstream movies as, like, side roles, 
But then he has this filmography of mostly, like, unknown, really good smaller films. Yeah. And, again, I feel like Ethan Hawke, again, is an underrated actor, in, in, given oh, his... Oh, yeah, for sure. Ethan Hawke's good. I think yeah. it both use a big franchise built around them, right? Yeah. No, but when he does do Hollywood blockbusters, though, again, he's in a supporting, like, in a co-hero lead or, like, a supporting actor, like Magnificent Seven, Gattaca, for example. Yeah. Like that. He's great in Gattaca. He was good yeah. in Magnificent Seven, too. I liked him a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I think uh, Randeep especially, he's a lot younger, and I don't know if there's anything, if he's not putting together a big project like that or if he hasn't got the stature. He's been in some big movies. Mm-hmm. Big movies, yeah. And I don't know. I also wonder how many movies he's refusing to not get typecast and shit like that, too, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's in Hollywood where if you're not in a superhero movie, you know, that's how you become a big action <laughs> yeah. star now. And I don't know if he's got the martial arts chops to be like a Tiger Shroff type guy. I feel like Randy Puda should be on par with Nawazuddin Siddiqui. Yeah. And it's surprising to me that he's not. Cause well, and the thing is, too, if not more so, because oh, yeah. there's nothing holding him back from being the... T- like, Nawazin Siddiqui is, is like, this character actor. So mm-hmm. there is... He does have limitations from being the conventional leading man hero type role. Mm-hmm. But he's, but he's not actively breaking those conventions. No, and, and that's what I'm saying, though. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's more impressive for him to do something that he does because he is... Restricted by all these limitations, these conventional, you know, mm-hmm. superficial mm-hmm. limitations. Randy Puda does not fucking have that. So yeah. I don't understand why he's not a fucking superstar right now, given mm-hmm. his work ethic, his, you know, talent, and, again, the conventional bullshit of, you know... Maybe I'm he hot. can't dance. Maybe that is what it is. I think we've uncovered something. I really yeah. do. I don't... I don't ever... I can't... I can't think back to anything... If he could he dance, he could be a Rambir Kapoor. Why not? Does anyone really want to be a Rambir Kapoor? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> In Ideal mm-hmm. Hamash Kill, he makes out with Anushka Sharma and Ashwarya <laughs> Rai. I would love to be a fan of Kapoor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a perfect bargain. Oh, and Lisa Hayden. And Lisa Hayden in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoilers, come on, please. Yeah. <laughs> he, d- he does pretty well for himself in that film. All right. I need to be surprised at the makeouts. Come on. Uh, Mayor Chalas, I think, is a lot of fun. I really yeah, do. it's I, very cool. I, I did find, kind of feel a disconnect reading about the real life of the serial killer with... Uh, the real guy of, is much worse. Oh, he's yeah. so much worse. And also, I'm going to like criticize the film here for one second. His like, right-hand woman was uh, Quebecois. She was Canadian. So why don't we get any Canadian women in this movie? Oh, in real life? In real life, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would have liked to see... Canadian Representation? Woman. Right, yeah. right? Um, There's not enough Canadian women in movies. Yeah. Um, but Kathy Gibson brought up something in her review that it is very male gazy with regards to his yeah. sidekick lady. And, you know. Whatever. I can appreciate that. Being a male myself, attracted to these women. It's, it, you know, it's something that happens, but it is very fixated on uh, asses, legs, etc. Yeah. And okay. this is something you can point out and say, you know, they possibly could have thought through what this what this uh, indicates for the movie. But if, if you're getting into this guy's mind, I mean, no, where no, he is I just... I want to cut you off here because I want to defend that. Because, you know, like, I... Defend the objectification. Do yeah, it. yeah. And I am well aware of the objectification yeah. of women in cinema. I'm, I, I've read the Laura Molly article a million times about the male mm-hmm. gaze. <laughs> and I don't think it's a problem here. I think it's part of the character. And I think the character is... Like, the film is coming from the point of view of both this... 
There's the cop and then Charles. Exactly, yeah, the cop and Charles. And so it's coming from a male point of view. And I think the way that Charles understands how he manipulates women is important to the film itself. And so, yeah, every woman to a certain extent is objectified. From Risha Shada uh, to his friend Liz to his lawyer to the criminal psychologist who comes in to the tourist who he manipulates. And that's what this film is about. It's about how his charismatic personality, he uses it to manipulate women, but also men. Yeah. And everything is through that yeah. perspective. And, and I also and so find, like... I don't think it's a problem that the women are objectified, because I think it's a part of the overall milieu of understanding yeah. the serial killer. No, and, and to kind of add to that as well, is when you actually flip perspective... And get to see one of these women from the perspective of, for example, the cop played by mm-hmm. Adil Hussain. And he spends the most time with Risha Tadda. You see his frustration yes. at how these women are completely brainwashed. Yeah. And he doesn't understand how this educated lawyer or a law student, I think, Risha Tadda was playing, mm-hmm. um, can even begin to rationalize his actions. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a good, I think that was the point of why they intentionally objectified the women from Charles Sobraj's perspective and then flipped it when you have the cop going, holy shit, these people are fucked. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the intention as well. I don't think it was, I mean, I'm not going to defend and say there wasn't some frivolity involved in that, uh, especially with the bike scenes and all that stuff, which had no context of being there. Yeah. But um, but I think they try to justify it a little bit from that perspective angle. But I think ultimately, like, this film is interested in the toxicity of charismatic yeah. masculinity. Yeah. Yes. He's, like, he's almost like a... Uh... He, he dresses sort of like Jim Jones, but he is that well, sort of charismatic Charles Manson-y guy who can yeah. bring people into his orbit and manipulates them for all they're worth. I don't know if it if the movie completely gets you in his mindset. I don't feel like I ever understood him. No. I don't know but what I, his but, thing but, was. Like, I, looked, I actually went, and I do this a lot, I actually went and read whatever I could find, just online, not books about the main guy. Yeah. And it's just as fucked. Like, you oh, don't yeah. get insight into his mind. You don't really understand, you know, there is no sort of backstory of, you know, for example, like John Day, I was abused, therefore I am this. Yeah. There's no sort of, it's like a Joker situation. Mm-hmm. Where it's a real Joker I, I thought this while watching this film. Yeah. I thought, yeah. man, Randy Puda should play the Joker because Lord knows. But this is a more like subvertive sort of like, yeah, restrained version, but, it yeah, but Lord like, knows Jared Leto isn't doing anything about with that yeah. role. So, like, yeah. Randy Puda should pick it up. He Get Randy Buck in that bitch. It. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, franchise. Yeah. Uh, no, Suicide Squad also. 2, Randy Puda's the Joker now. I had in, that thought. I, th- I think he would be manipulating... a great Joker. No, but, I mean, that's kind of like, like, there's no rhyme or reason. Like, even the real-life case, there's no yeah. rhyme or reason to why yeah. he does what he does. Uh, even, some people even suspect, like, right now he's supposedly in prison serving a life sentence, a real-life, you know. In the yeah. In the public way. But yeah. the thing is, like, the way he got caught, people don't know why he was there. And a yeah. lot of people theorize that he just wanted the fucking attention. Like, he literally returned to seeing the crime to get arrested because he got bored living in Paris. So yeah. that yeah. gives you this idea of how fucked up this guy is, which I think the movie captures pretty well. Yeah. Can we talk about his accent? So for the most part, Matt and I are really bad at judging accents in Indian cinema because... We don't speak the language. We can tell that Nargis Fakhri's Hindi accent is not great. I can tell this because she speaks Hindi the way I speak French. <laughs> I.e., just in a, just speaking like it's English and, you know, 
Well, not really giving a fuck, just saying our lines. Case, I mean, do you guys, like, Aaron, do you speak French? Yes, yes. Matt and I both speak French. I'm okay. a bit more fluent than he is. Um, so I thought his French accent was spot good. on. He yeah, sounded, good. He sounded like, perfect. His French accent in, in, in English was yeah. spot on? Yeah, yeah he sounded like he sounded like a, about this movie. Yeah, he's yeah. like, so this is going to be, prim- like, playing for a primarily Hindi crowd, right? Right. So why is he doing so much English with a French accent as opposed to doing French? Well, I think, well, I'm like, no I, don't know, I don't know what audience this movie was made for. Uh, yeah. because right. There's a lot of English Netflix. in this movie. Yeah, and the movie came out on Netflix, I think, like, within three months of its release. Like, I think, I don't think it had any sort of box office aspirations. I think it wanted to be, like, a sort of art house film festival circuit film. Yeah. Because, again, like, it came out Netflix, I think, really, like, three, maybe four months after its theatrical release. So I don't know what – usually in Indian movies or mainstream theatrical releases, you'll always find that they'll say a line in English and then immediately repeat the line in yeah. Hindi yeah. For, for audiences. Um, but, yeah, this movie had – especially with his accent, too. Like, it was personally hard for me to go – I didn't realize what ethnicity the character was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I assumed he was Indian. But then he would have this thick French accent speaking Hindi, which I've never encountered, movie or otherwise. Yeah, so for- the real-life uh, person was half Vietnamese, half yeah. Indian, and he was born in, at the time, Indochine in Ho Chi Minh City, and so knew French. Right. And yeah. and then that was Fr- French was his first language, so he had a French accent. He's and really an interesting dude. He does it good. Like, I mean, yeah. in terms of... The French with an English accent, I thought it was convincing. The yeah. French with an Indian accent, I had no frame of reference for, it, but I thought that right. was Right. Yeah, us neither. It, it, yeah. Sounded, it, it sounded different. But yeah. his French accent in English sounds correct. I just... He didn't sound a, like Pepe Le Pew. He, he no, sounded like a, an actual no. French speaker. There was a part of me, though, <laughs> that kind of felt like, why is he speaking so much in English as opposed to French? And that might partly This might be... also be what that guy was like. Well, yeah, and yeah. but, but, but it might also sense. partly be just because I speak French, so I'm kind of like yeah. And it also um, makes though, like if you were a guy who was Vietnamese, knew Hindi, French, and English, English is probably the most common form of communication you're going right. to use. Depends where you are. If you were in Vietnam, maybe you're going to use French more often. Well, but yeah. yeah, yeah, but depending yeah. on where you are at the time, right? Like, yeah. So I thought that was that to me was the most impressive part. Like, because I, I didn't yeah. understand it in the movie, but when I did my research into this guy, I'm like, fuck, he's playing a Vietnamese. Hindi speaking French, like fuck. is this a is this a failing of the movie that it's not entirely clear why this guy is speaking French all the time? Like, should it have explained a little bit more about this guy? Because we all had to read up on the character yeah. Yeah, before we understood what he was doing. Is that is that the movie's fault? Should I mean I mean you have to think about is that the movie's fault or is that like the casting choice of Randy Pula not? convincingly being able to pass as a multi-ethnicity sort or, of or or is this uh is this guy in real life such an important figure that you know we don't really know him because we're not out there you live in toronto you don't know about Savage that much but was he enough of a media figure at the time that someone who remembered it might remember this weirdo who was you know active at this time like is, is he enough of a character in real life well, he apparently lives in Paris for years and just making money off of, you know, giving interviews about his yeah. serial killing. Yeah. But, like, also in fact, I think the film is kind of light on his, like... Oh, yeah. No, the, the, the yeah, film could have done his, a lot more with the way he was murdering these exactly. people. Exactly. Like, it's actually kind of kind. Yeah. If you notice, too, also, there's no, like... There's no blatant overt scene of him killing anyone. No, it's I dropping a pill. 
Yeah, I think the closest we got to just was him sort of on the slide poisoning someone. That's why we um, kind of like him, right? That's, that's yeah. why he's a, he's kind of an engaging guy because you don't actually have to see him moving a body, for instance. Yeah. It, yeah it, exactly. just, there could be a completely opposite movie to this where you're seeing him doing the dirty work and he's exactly. much less glamorous. But ultimately, this is a fictionalization of a real-life yeah. character, which is not something I have an issue with because, like, I fucking don't care about authenticity. Um, and so I guess I'm just curious on how you feel about the way that this film kind of twists history to make an engaging narrative. Well, I like the one thing that I really liked, which I thought was the most unique when it comes to, like, these sort of, like, you know, quote-unquote, you know, loosely biopics or whatever – is the fact that the real life person charged money for interviews and sold his own film rights and book rights to his own story? Yeah. And and now and we're watching a movie where the character is doing that, so it makes me wonder that did they have to buy the film rights? And if you actually read some of the trivia on IMDb about this movie, apparently there was a lot of other actors in consideration who actually met with huh. the real life Charles Sobraj, and he had to approve their casting. Um, but then, for whatever reason, the casting didn't work out. The movie fell through, and then we have, you know, ultimately this movie. So it's it's kind of awesome to me that the real life person still has some sort of creative control yeah. over this movie being made, depicting his life. So that's a hell of an that, interview process, fun. right? Like, hi, I'd like to be you in a movie. You killed how many people again? That's cool. Yeah. I need to know because I need to get into that mind frame. Yeah. You know? well, what, did, what were you thinking about at that time? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's so, that's like really chilling, actually. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty fucked up. I remember, like, I think again on IMDb, I think Amir Khan was one of the guys that actually flew. Of course, he was. Him, yeah. um, and for whatever reason, he didn't go through with it. But it makes me wonder, like, as much as we love Randy Pudha in this role, what would this movie have been like if Amir Khan got involved? Like, it would have been hell of a lot more bigger. It would have made like a shitload more money. Yeah, I don't that's think it would have been as dark. Yeah, I I don't see Amir like. Even though this movie kind of abstracts the actual process of murdering all these people, I think an Amir Khan movie would have even been less explicit. I don't even know if they would have mentioned. I don't know. I don't uh, see. I feel like the opposite. I think Amir would have got, leaned fully into the whole thing. I think yeah. he would have gone. I think he would have gone full retard. I think he would have gone <laughs> full fucking like Charles Sobraj yeah. graphic content and everything. Um, yeah. Just because it is a real life story, right? So I don't think he would have pulled any punches. Um, but again, but he, I will never. But he stepped away from it, and so I think one thing you see consistently over Randy Puda's roles is that he's not afraid of moral oh. ambiguity. He's not afraid of looking bad, which is yeah. something that is rare to find it's in a Bollywood rare. leading actor. And and the, I mean, the one example of that, what you just said, that he's not, he doesn't shy away from certain roles, is there was this anthology movie celebrating, you know, a hundred years of Indian cinema mm. um, called Bombay Talkies, yes. where you had Anurag Kashyap, Karan Johar, and some other directors do just these four segments. Uh, it's uh, uh, Akhtar, Zoya Akhtar. Yes, right. And I think there was someone else. I forget who it was. I think it was four directors. Um, and the segment that Randeep Huda starred in with Rani Mukherjee mm-hmm. um, was where with, um, I forget the other kid's name, Salim... Uh, it's Huma Qureshi's brother, I think it was. Um, yeah. If you remember who they... He was in He was in Dishum. He played yeah. the, the Sakib something. I forget. Um, but... The, Vir- he, the Virat Kohli character. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so, so this... So, Randeep Huda, again, as this conventional, you know, tough guy, badass leading man, in a mainstream Bollywood movie, portrayed the 
the character of this married, closeted gay man, mm-hmm. which was to me like so fucking badass, like more so than any of these other roles he's done, because he had the balls to go play a movie that might have essentially alienated him yeah. from other roles or other films, and that to me took so much like courage for mm-hmm. a Bollywood actor to do. Which is why, again, with, like you said, I agree with you that he doesn't shy away from these insane crazy roles i don't think he has any other politics besides the substance of the character and the substance of the movie when he chooses these roles yeah yeah the other director is dipakar Banerjee. um yes but the the segment you're talking about is the karen johar segment and um yeah it's sakeep salim and i it's my favorite part of that whole movie um and it opens with that too so it kind of like starts off with a bang and then everything else kind of so good yeah um but I think what you're saying is very true. I think um, it takes someone who is kind of secure in one's masculinity. Exactly. Yeah. To, to take some of these and, roles. And, and, and I think you see that with May or Charles. Great. Yeah. I think uh, masculinity is probably the thing you could point at most with Randeep mm. because he's either using his endless, you know, uh, depths of masculinity to be a badass, or he's playing off that. Yeah. And again, when when you can have a dude fucking ball, like in a scene with like because he's breaking up with some girl in heroin, yeah, and still retain his masculinity, like I'm watching that and I'm like, I'm literally feeling like it's okay for me to just publicly cry, yeah, in that scene. So I'm like, and again, that's why I say that he's one of those characters, where one of those actors who can still retain his masculinity no matter if he's playing second fiddle, a second hero, you know, yeah. significant supporting role, whatever. So you're saying Ethan Hawke. I'm staying Steve McQueen. Oh, Someone who yeah. you're always looking oh. at that guy like, yeah, that guy, that guy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm down with that. I'm good with that. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't had the, the chances of a Steve McQueen. I mean, think of The Great Escape. Steve McQueen's probably yeah. not the main character of that movie, but he is the cool badass that we all like. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think Randeep is the cool badass we all like. See, I need to see, see Randeep. I feel like his kind of road to fame now either has to just transition to these solo solo movies or he needs to be in these like ensemble casts where like Steve McQueen, like he stands out. Yeah. Like I want like I would have loved to see him in sort of like this sort of neo noir like what Bombay Velvet was. And I think mm-hmm. we're sort of in the minority of people actually liking that movie. But I great movie. I don't think enough people saw it. That's the problem. They would they would have liked it. Like it's funny too, when I tell people I like that movie and they haven't seen the movie. The reaction's like, oh, really? Because I heard shit about that movie. Oh, it's so good. And he might have done a better job than Rambeer, actually. No, and because he has that look, right? He has... Yeah. Like, I'm just imagining, if you imagine him in the Chinatown sort of get-up with the with the wide-brim hat or L.A. Yeah. Confidential style kind of a thing, yeah. it fits, right? Like, it looks like I could see him... Mm. And even his dialogue delivery is so, like... His narration, for example, in, in Once Upon a Time in Mumbai was similar to that. It was a very new and more sort of like, sort of like dusky sort of a narration. So yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think <laughs> I think he's becoming a part of the, a bit of this kind of, um, this kind of status of actor like Nawazuddin Siddiqui, who like yeah. seems to be within the peripheral of Salman Khan. And so shows up to do these bit parts in Salman Khan films but ultimately has a more interesting career outside of that, a more interesting kind of independent career. And I think you're saying that, especially with him choosing to make a film with Deepa Mehta. Um, because as <laughs> yeah. much as I dismiss Deepa Mehta's filmography, as much as I kind of, you know, am a bit of a contrarian saying that I really don't think she's that good, the choice mm-hmm. to go make a movie with her 
you know, in Canada is, is notable. Yeah. I think and so she, it's very yeah. clear to me that he has one foot within this kind of populist cinema yeah. and one foot within something more artistic. And I think May Orthros, he brings that artistic to May Orthros. This is a film that yeah. without him probably would have kind of just well, it, it would have either been super pulpy exactly. or like a straight biopic. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. he elevates it. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I, and I feel like, and again, if you take a look at his filmography too, you'll see that for the most part, the commercial mainstream popular cinema, it's always a supporting role. Mm-hmm. And his single hero male lead films are always like these smaller roles with first time directors that he's taking a chance on mm-hmm. that. And they always cover, there's always other factors at work that they don't make money or that they don't get pushed in the limelight. Because, for example, he had another movie. He had a bunch of movies this year. Um, Lal Rung was this other movie he did. Yeah. Didn't None of see enough came releases. out in Canada. No. And even in India, though, like he had an interview where he was speaking about the fact that, and this was after Sarabjit. So Sarabjit came out. He got a lot of good, you know, positive attention for that movie. But prior to that, he had Lal, Lal Rung came out that flopped. And even he was discussing the fact that the producers were really inexperienced, so they didn't have enough screens opening the movie. Hmm. The movie was based in a state in 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 India called Haryana, and the weird fucked up part was people in Haryana couldn't see that movie because there weren't enough theaters screening the film. So yeah, stay man, with ha- the merry combat. Haryana right? Haryana's having a huge comeback, huh? Because that's Sultan, that's Dental, Sultan, that's oh, merry combat. That's where. Yeah. Randy put us from. Yeah, that, like that's that's, from, that's just from like right. the wrestling capital, basically. I, seems, seems like, like it. Yeah, like, <laughs> how much dressage do they do? Yeah, what's the dressage <laughs> capital of India? I have no idea. I have no idea. It's it's he's he's also has this weird like as an as a person he has this weird combination of like being very like casual like you know just a humble guy but then he's something fancy ass like fucking ride horses and you're like what world are you from like he's just it's very it's kind of this cool sort of again i again i i I say to everyone like i have two man crushes it's gosling and randy puda and and gosling kind of faltering a little bit these days because he's not out there as much but uh but yeah huda i'm down let's do it you know i I, I kind of see them having things in common too but i think we're getting a little off topic here uh randy puda we all love him. We want to see what happens next. I mean, based on just the films I've seen him in, four or five of them now, it, I just I just really want to see what he does. He's always mm-hmm. he's always given a hundred percent in every movie he's in. He's never phoning it in, and I would watch him in basically anything at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I think he. I mean, he gets a lot of critical acclaim, but that at the same time, he still seems on the cusp of both so. kind of like artistic stardom and popular stardom and like i wonder how much of that is him though because i feel like he goes out of his way like he's doing this movie now i'm not sure what the name is but it's it's like this true story about a sikh regiment um of soldiers like this biopic and he's if you again if you go on his twitter you will see him looking like a terrible mess because he's got this weird beard grown out because he plays a legitimate Sikh. He's, yeah. he's a method. He's a method. Yeah, he's yeah. so method and it's and that's why again I wonder like as bitter as I am that he doesn't get commercial acclaim and, and fame I wonder how much of that is his ch- like choice as well that he doesn't yeah. go 
the typical, like, again, like the murdered three and bullshit like that, where he takes his shirt off and looks pretty for a scene versus yeah. these roles where he can completely immerse himself in. Mm-hmm. He could have been in, he could have been a doom villain or something like sure. that. Could, sure. That seems like he could do that. I'd love to see him as a villain. Like yeah. he needs, if, if he was a commercial, like in a Salman Khan movie, he played like a, like an all out over the top villain. I would love to see that. Yeah. Like Nwazuddin Siddiquin kick. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. mm. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, so maybe. I think ultimately we would recommend May or Charles, which we saw also on Netflix. So it's yeah. currently available there. Who knows how long it'll be available? John Day, if you're a Nezardin uh, Shah fan and you want to see an old man shoot a bunch of people yeah. and kind of be a badass, yeah. you know, it, 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 was, it was okay. Right. I feel like, yeah, but again, and I feel like we didn't really talk about Nezardin Shah as much because he's a fucking legend mm-hmm. in his own right. Um, but it's just because of the movie. Like, John Day was not a movie that's, I mean, forget his best work. It's not even like he could, I I don't even know what to say. Like, John D was not a reflection of his acting capability yeah. whatsoever. Go watch Waiting. I think Waiting was the movie that came out with Galki this year that he did, uh, which was, again, a small, obscure sort of artsy film. Which or The got Dirty Picture. Or the, fuck yeah, watch The Dirty Picture. Scratch dirty picture, yeah. 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 yeah, much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we are all members of the Randy Puda Appreciation Society, I think. That's... Yeah, Bulge Club. The, the Battle of the Bulge, we call this the episode. We're part of so many appreciation societies at this point, Matt. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're we're a big fan of Randeep, and we're a big fan of Shah Shahid. So uh, how can Aww. people get a hold of you uh, if they want to hear more of your movie ideas? For sure. So, I mean, if you guys want to check out the podcast, where, again, I take a little bit of departures, um, it's basically comparing a movie remake to its original source material. Uh, feel free to subscribe to the Spit Screen podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow the podcast on Twitter at splitscreen underscore pod and follow me personally on Twitter at Dosha Shahid. Great. And Aaron, how can they find us? Oh, so many ways. We are on Twitter at Bollywood Pod. You can also find me personally on Twitter at Aaron E. Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-S-E-R. You can find me at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. We have a Tumblr page set up for the podcast. Bollywood is for lumbers dot com. You can yeah. find us at ERS now. We also have a Facebook page, Bollywood is for Lovers. If you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We read all reviews out on air. And while you're over at iTunes, you can find my other show with Paul Matwachuk, which I do weekly called Pressure in the Movies. We will be back in two weeks, and we will be doing an episode on November. So we will be looking at two classic Bollywood noirs from the 1950s, both starry Devonad. Uh, so those will be Bazi and CID, and we'd be welcomed by our friend Neil Barnholden of the popular Which Please podcast. Mm-hmm. He is a friend of ours who is also a film historian, uh, and he's been participating in November and watching like 30 noir films. We're really looking forward to having him. Yeah, he'll be emerging from the dark shadows <laughs> into the light of podcasting. Yes. So, yeah, well, thanks again for listening, and we'll uh, see you next time.